Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. So the family sees that her car is in the driveway. There's a fire at the house. Yet emergency personnel on scene are, are not telling them where Maggie is, if she's okay. And they assume that she's missing at that time. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Good afternoon. My name is Tom McGraw. I'm the sheriff of Park County Sheriff's Office. We're holding today's press conference to update you on the recent developments of the Maggie Long case. As a newly elected sheriff of Park County, I've been... A little over three years ago, on December 1st, 2017, 17-year-old Maggie Long stopped home after school. Many of you knew Maggie. She was a smart, beautiful 17-year-old girl who was in charge of the VIP section for the concert at our high school on Friday night. The plan was to pick up some supplies for that concert and head back to school, but Maggie didn't make it back. She went home that day to get more cookies and water for the audience, telling her friends, I'll be right back. And she was never seen again. Noel Brennan, reporter with Nine News in Denver, Colorado. Take us back to December 1st, 2017. There's a fire in the town of Bailey, Colorado, in the mountains just southwest of Denver. Yeah, that's right. So it's in the town of Bailey, and there's a call that comes in around, I believe it's 7 o'clock at night for a house fire. And there's a house kind of tucked away in the woods off a county road. It's a large home, and firefighters get there, and they see smoke and flames coming from the back of the house. Who did this home belong to? And with the home being tucked away a little bit, who was it that discovered the fire and actually called it in? So it was clear which house it was. It was the Long family home. There's a big gate off this county road 43 that that said the Long Ranch. So there's no question where this house is. This gate opens up to a winding road that goes up into the woods, and the only home that it reaches is the the Long family house. So firefighters, no doubt, knew where they were going. The call came in from a person, uh, a guy inside the house who was renting a room from the Longs. He's the one who called 911 to report the fire. At 7.01, a man renting a room at the Long Family Ranch calls 911 to report people inside causing damage. However, they are smashing and burning things. He is refusing to leave. So when he calls 911, does he say anything? You know, did he, had he seen anything that day? Did he know anything about how the fire started or just that, that the house was on fire and, and people needed to get out there? So he actually called 911 to say that there were people inside the house, they were causing damage, and they were setting it on fire. Hmm. So that's what the 911 call said. Firefighters respond to the scene. They're putting out the blaze. And in the middle of all of this chaos, 
the Long family, the people who own this home, they realize that their daughter, Maggie Long, is nowhere to be found. And they they report her missing. They do. Uh, And they know that her car is in the driveway of the house, but they have not seen her. They haven't heard from her. The last time she was heard uh, was at the school, uh, the high school. She's a senior in high school at Plant Canyon High School. And she had plans to go to an evening concert. She was helping organize this concert at the high school. And she left the school to get some cookies and water for the audience and presumably went home. And no one saw her after she left the school. So the family sees that her car is in the driveway. There's a fire at the house. Yet emergency personnel on scene are are not telling them where Maggie is, if she's okay. And they assume that she's missing at that time. That same day, Maggie disappeared. The sheriff's office hasn't told us if anything was found inside the home. Yesterday, a spokesman said they were trying to figure out, in his words, Maggie's status. Yeah, so they don't know if she's in the house, if she's maybe been abducted by by whoever set the fire, or if, you know, she was gone for any other number of reasons a teenage kid might be out of contact. Right. What then happens as investigators process the scene of the fire? What all do they discover? So as they're going through the house, um, firefighters end up finding Maggie's body inside one of the bedrooms. And this is news that we wouldn't learn uh, for several days. Mm. This was a case where the information was trickling out so slowly. When we reported on the fire, um, we only knew that there was a 17-year-old girl that was missing. Investigators at the time were not telling us that they had found Maggie's body inside. There was a gag order in the the case. So emergency personnel, investigators, sheriff's office, no one was allowed to reveal any information uh, to the media, to the public. So we were kind of in the dark for six days. And it was six days after the fire that we learned definitively that Maggie's body had been found inside uh, and she had died in the fire. And so at that point, the question I imagine has to be, did she die incidentally in this fire or had she been killed either either before or, or intentionally during the fire, right? All of those questions were ones that we were asking in our newsroom. Uh, we were asking the sheriff's office those questions. We were not getting answers on those and we had to wait two months until a press conference was held in the case. The autopsy report was sealed. To this day, it has not been released. What is it that you learn at that point when authorities come out and first address the media at length? In that first press conference, we learned that there had been a burglary inside the house. We learned that there were people inside that had taken guns from the house. They'd taken some valuables, some jade figurines that the family had, also a green safe. So we learned that there was a pistol that was taken along with an AK-47 style rifle and a whole bunch of ammunition that were stolen from the home. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. 
Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Then as time goes on, you would learn more about how Maggie died. Is that right? We did. After a new sheriff took office, he held a press conference, Tom McGraw. Good afternoon. My name is Tom McGraw. I'm the sheriff of Park County Sheriff's Office. I have with me today... The Where he revealed that Maggie had been purposely set on fire and burned alive inside the house. At least three people, three men, were directly involved in Maggie's murder. Contrary to preliminary examinations, the task force investigation has determined that these suspects spent a significant amount of time in the house with Maggie on December 1st, 2017 and they deliberately chose to take her life. It saddens me greatly to tell you that Maggie was purposely set on fire and burned alive. We learned that at least three men were responsible for her death and possibly a fourth suspect was involved. They spent a significant amount of time inside the house with Maggie. And just hearing that, that detail of how she died was, was so brutal and heartbreaking. And I know investigators released it because they were really hoping that it would spur some movement in the case, you know, get people to talk. You're right. It is. It's so horrific. And if you can help us understand, you know, do we have any indication as to a motive, whether police think Maggie was was targeted all along or if it was a burglary in progress that she walked into and it turned into a, a murder? Do we know, have they offered any information about that? The phrase that law enforcement used was a crime of opportunity and that Maggie was was caught in the middle of it. It's unknown if she herself was targeted, if they came to the house because they knew that she was going to be there. Those are questions that we have, and I don't know that investigators really know at this point. Hmm why those people came to the house. Um, the fact that they stole valuables and those firearms makes you wonder if they knew that they could find those things in the home. Um, it just seems whether or not Maggie was, you know, there at the wrong place at the wrong time um, are, are questions that I've asked and I'm sure investigators have too. But as far as a motive, uh, that's still one of the questions we have. And getting back to the person, that renter that you mentioned who placed the 911 call, do we have any other information about what that person saw or heard? Because that, that person, I imagine, would have been law enforcement's best source of information about what was going on that day. Exactly. And for years, we've tried to, to talk to that person we only know that he was renting a room in the house, that he has spoken to investigators, has cooperated and, and given them all the information, uh, presumably that he had. Um, but his name has been uh, withheld and he has not spoken to the media and or the public in any way. Um, I've gotten tips on who this person is. I've reached out and have never heard back. But to be the the person in the house when this was happening, when people were breaking in, causing damage, and ultimately murdering someone, 
you can imagine that they would have some crucial information. And no doubt, investigators knew that. They talked to this person. And yet, this is still an unsolved case, uh, you know, after three years. What else have investigators had to say about the people who did this, Maggie's attackers? Have they given out any details or anything in the hopes that it might spark a tip about their identities? They released a few sketches over the past few years. You know, they the sketches are of men. We're sending a message uh, to any individual involved in this case that we're, you know, we're still actively investigating it. You know, I know the citizens and, and folks in the community are concerned about, uh, you know, how this information is kind of dribbled out. But we've got to... We've got to make uh, very sure and be very certain that we're not jeopardizing the investigation and other potential witnesses. We will get justice at the end for for Maggie. And then they also recently mentioned that there could have been a fourth person involved. They posted the sketches online. We've shared them in every story that we've covered on the case. There also were reports of a couple vehicles that were spotted near the Long family home that day. Those have been shared to the public. Um, I think the sketches have circulated over the years throughout the community. And if people knew who these people were, uh, no doubt they'd be giving tips to investigators. And at this point, there's no suspect that has been named or identified. In the case. It's now been just over three years since the fire and since Maggie's murder. Bring us up to present day. I, I know you mentioned that the investigation is still ongoing, that it's unsolved, but as I understand it, police aren't ready to call this a cold case. No, I caught up with Sheriff Tom McGraw on December 1st of 2020. So that was the three-year mark since Maggie was killed. And this is not a case where you know, the files are sitting on a shelf and uh, no one is looking at them and, and and going over the evidence. This is something that uh, a task force has been actively investigating since that day in 2017. And the sheriff shared with me that back in November, a couple detectives followed a lead to Oklahoma where a guy with connections to the Bailey area had been arrested. And there was some hope that maybe there was a tie to the Maggie Long case, but they followed the lead and it turned out having no no connection whatsoever to Maggie. So it, it appears that they're still following the case. Again, it's a task force that is still receiving leads and they're, they're checking out those. Um, the sheriff tells me that, you know, he's committed to not letting this become a cold case. But it makes you wonder as the days pass, the weeks and, you know, years go by that it's going to get harder and harder to to solve a case like this. And with this still being unsolved, there is a family who just doesn't have answers about why someone would have killed their daughter or their family member. And from what I can tell, it seems like she was, you know, beloved in her community and, and pretty involved, right? She was at Platte Canyon High School. She was the girl that everyone knew. Everyone seemed to like. She was involved in just about every single club at the high school. She played softball. She did community theater. And news reporter Noel Brennan sat down with the director at the venue. 
and two of Maggie's closest friends. What do you want people to know about Maggie? What do you want people to focus on? Her person, who she was, how she should, re should be remembered. I, I know, I think of her daily. Her life and um, her passing has affected people's lives, and I think in a mostly a positive way. Like her laugh was just like so, I don't know, you would hear it and it'd just be like, oh, that's a nice laugh. And you'd be like, I wanna be friends with that person. Again, it, it was that girl in high school that probably would have befriended everyone. And I think losing her really did touch an entire community, not only her family. And you've actually had a chance to sit down and talk with some of Maggie Long's family members. I know you spoke with her sisters pretty recently. I spoke to her sisters last year, Connie and Lena, her older sisters, and they had not spoken publicly since Maggie's celebration of life after she died. You know, when the investigators say, like, she was burned alive, like, that is what happened. The scenario can go into so many different ways and it gets exhausting thinking about who could have done it, why they could have done it, why was Maggie there, what could I have done to stop it, or there's just so many what-ifs and it just, you know, it takes me into a big hole and I just, I, I leave that part to the investigators who knows who know what they're doing. And what struck me, and was so sad to hear them say is that, you know, the town of Bailey where they grew up and lived just doesn't feel like home anymore because their sister defined that place for them. So the family has, has left the Bailey area and home just doesn't feel like home to them anymore because they lost their sister there. We'll certainly be hoping that they're at least able to get some answers, hopefully sooner rather than later. And I'm sure you'll keep us posted as the investigation continues. Noel Brennan, thank you for coming on. Yep, thanks for having me. And thank you for tuning into this episode of The Daily Crime. We have new episodes for you every day, Monday through Friday, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. If you're looking for even more true crime after that, check out our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles. Will Johnson and I host that one as well, along with our third co-host, Spencer Burdick. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. <laughs>